0: Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Anthony Samroff, and my co-host. A very scruffy looking uh, (laughs) Tom Laird today. It's the 29th of December 2016, so uh, I hope you're looking forward to a very happy new year, and this will be our last show of the year, but we are joined by our first ever returning guest, Um, Libertarian Scott, also known to some of you as Scotty M. And today we are going to talk about free market monopolies, that big specter which uh, freedom and liberty um, threatens us with. How are you today, Scott? Yeah, things
1: are very well. I mean, it's um, other than practically dying for the past week or so with the the flu. um, But uh,
0: yeah, things are very well. Good to hear it, so why don't you um, start, because we hear this, this is something that we hear a lot as free marketeers and especially as advocates of a laissez-faire capitalist system where the government doesn't intervene in the economy, they say well that is just going to lead to corporations monopolising the market and um, they'll take over and it'll be a private tyranny, much worse than anything mm. you could expect. Yeah, On this is from
2: even people who are quite
0: sympathetic,
2: normally, to, mm. to free market ideas. Who actually say this? It's not just from the left either that's,
0: But okay. uh, yeah, and often, often, stringently, uh, it's a it's a criticism of free market capitalism that uh, very left wing intellectuals like Noam Chomsky make. Oh, it would be a private tyranny so will you start with telling us your view of what's wrong with this allegation that free markets lead to monopolies well
1: i think it's first and foremost important to address what corporatism is and um, and the reason for that is because this is basically where the monopolies will stem from it's it's, it's all to do with the corporate system um, and people uh, misinterpret, they, they they misunderstand what the whole system system's about. How often have you heard uh, people say, "Well, oh, it was deregulation that you know led to the uh, things like the banking crisis," or they say deregulation leads to all these monopolies and things like that. And so, it's important that people understand the corporate system first and foremost and of course the 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 history relating now when we talk about corporatism and what leads to the actual monopolies it's big corporations that lobby the government they pay off the politicians and they get them you know to lay on all these government regulations the heavier and heavier the government regulations the thousands and pages of regulations the heavier it costs the smaller businesses cannot consume these costs it's too Mm -hmm. expensive for them and the smaller businesses cannot afford to pay people to find loopholes in the regulations whereas the big corporations can and so corporatism is really all about the strong government regulation it's all about you know using government as a weapon (coughs) against the, the smaller businesses it weighs down all the smaller competition and we can see that within the American healthcare system, now I mentioned before uh, that I would go on and mention this because this is the perfect example of a monopolistic system and then the American healthcare, they blame capitalism, they say oh it's a capitalist system of healthcare, it isn't, It's it's the absence of capitalism, the absence of the free market, and here's the prime example of what government did that ended up creating a monopolistic system in healthcare which is why you've got about uh, well this it's about 50% you know private sector but it's still you know government controlled but here's the prime example the american healthcare system monopol it became monopolistic as a result of government granting a monopoly uh, to the American Medical Association, um, it granted a monopoly to them (coughs) to close down basically in the first six years there's about 35 medical schools and then between you're saying about 1910 to about the mid-1990s There was a closure, you know, roughly 168 medical schools closed down in total. Now, between that period, there was a vast increase of the U.S. population. Now, if you've got a vast increase of the U.S. population, and you've got a closure of all these medical schools, it means there's going to be fewer medical doctors available on the market, but a higher demand for the medical treatment. And therefore, in in relation to the laws of supply and demand, the costs are going to soar through the roof. Now, who's at fault for that? Well, it's the U.S. government. It's the U.S. government that granted the monopoly to close all these medical schools.
0: Right, and it's it's, worth worth adding to that that 19 states actually have a law that prohibits them from having more than one medical school. (laughs) and the Association of American Medical Colleges warned that the USA could be short of 150,000 doctors by 2025 if training and graduation rates don't change. Yes. So, so you've got a massive restriction on the supply of doctors and, uh, and not everything a doctor does needs seven years of training to accomplish. But you're not allowed to practice medicine without seven years of training so so there is a monopoly the government's created a monopoly on doing those jobs where you have to jump through the appropriate hoops in order to be a doctor but if clinics could train their own medical staff then that would more um, resemble a free market and the doctors who are highly qualified could hand off those jobs that are simpler to less well-trained staff on lower salaries and dramatically reduce the cost of healthcare. But that's, please go on.
1: That's it's completely spot on. And um, in relation to the education, um, for example, obviously these students uh, need to apply to become um, to, to become students to to go mm-hmm. on and 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 learn to become medical doctors. And in the mid nineteen nineties, uh it was I think there was about in nineteen ninety six there was about forty thousand or forty four thousand applicants. I think only sixteen thousand got accepted. So there you have a problem where there's a, a lack of placements available mm. and due to the high demand of of you know, placements Uh, There's going to be a very high cost in order to, you know, become a medical student. So all of these things and and that's all stemmed from government that's created this monopolistic system and it's the same with regards to what I was talking about uh, with regards to corporatism being about heavy government regulation because what Mm. the US government did was it strongly regulated the private sector and therefore again this. Forced the closure of many of the smaller hospitals. The smaller hospitals could not, you know, consume the costs, <coughs> and therefore, what you're faced with is giant hospitals that essentially have gained a, a monopoly over the healthcare market, uh, yeah. and the fewer medicals, the fewer sorry uh, hospitals. Uh, and and you know the higher demand, the higher the cost. And even with regards to the last but not least, a third party payer system. Now, a third party payer system means that someone else other than the consumer is more or less determining the cost. There's the lack of competition, the lack of capitalism. Therefore, this monopolistic system means that due to the government being the third party it determines the cost and And the consumer can't shop around.
0: And even then there's all sorts of laws saying you can't buy insurance by a company that's not based in your own state, so even then um, but let's go back in history a little bit, what about these rumors that we hear about companies like Standard Oil, who had a monopoly, a near monopoly on the provision of oil and weren't they making an absolute fortune um because they had a, a stronghold in that industry
1: well here's the thing I mean Standard Oil is probably the most famous example they love to try and claim that Standard Oil held this monopoly over the market and they never the fact of the matter was they entered the market in 1863 yes Standard Oil became dominant by 1869 uh, but they never became dominant through any sort of predatory pricing like people try to claim because the whole story of, and claim that uh, they used predatory pricing to dominate, um, this was during the 1870s it said, this wasn't the mm-hmm. case because the whole thing was standard oil, They beca- well, John Davis and Rockefeller was far more efficient than his competitors. And it's one of the reasons why he became so dominant in that area. Um, because the fact that he did many things that, you know, would, say, would you know, mean his business would save so much more and he became rich off of it. A prime example was the, the, how he changed the, the, the barrels that contained the oil to transport. He even changed the transport routes uh, with regards to the the railroad industry and everything, all of these things that would cut time, save the railroad industry money as as well of course gain and reap massive profits for themselves. But here's the so, thing, here's the yeah, thing, here's, right. <coughs> in 1869 it would cost more than 30 cents per barrel of oil, right? More than 30 cents per barrel of oil in 1869. Two years later, by 1871, when they gained four percent share of the market, standard oil, well, it w- it would it would soon cost what twenty-two cents per barrel of oil.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By eighteen seventy-nine they gained ninety percent share of the market. Now people might say, "Well, hold on a second here, Scott. Ninety percent share of the market—surely to Christ they owned a monopoly." Well, the hmm. fact of the matter is, they never a monopoly means they would hold a hundred percent share of the market. Uh, they wouldn't have any competition there at all. And of course, and another thing is the very fact that, well. With, with no competition, surely with the predatory pricing they would just jack their prices up, shaft the consumer, and this is what people believe. However, the problem yeah. with that argument is the very fact that when in 1879 they gained 90% share of the market, well, by 1897 the cost of a barrel of oil kept on dropping. Even after right. gaining 90% share of the market, the cost of a barrel of oil kept on dropping, so much so that as I said, originally it would cost more than 30 cents per, per barrel of oil. By 1897 it would only cost 5.9 cents per barrel of oil and that's because there was competition on his back. And right. who was that competition? So even though he... Go on. Who was the competition? Well, yeah. he had several competitors. But one of his main competitors in the 1870s was the producer uh, and and seller of the electric light bulb. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Uh, If your business heavily relies upon selling kerosene, how the hell are you supposed to compete against someone who is producing and selling an electric light bulb? I mean, look around you, look around every house, every, you know, building. Are they lit by kerosene? No, of course not. It's, it's a lot more dangerous um, and, and at the end of the day everywhere now is, is lit by the electric light bulb and so there is no way he would be able to keep his costs high right? because he would be up against fierce competition with the producer and seller of the electric light bulb.
0: Yes, and I've heard also he... <coughs> He pioneered chain um, creating all the byproducts like plastic that we get out of um, oil. So yes, he did become very rich, but he became very rich by improving people's standards of living mm-hmm. immeasurably. By the sounds of it, by bringing down the price of oil, by in, I, by creating industrial processes that made oil cheaper, um, mm-hmm. he actually massively improved people's standards of living. Um, and so, so. Is what? It,
2: just quickly, is it, is it true? Do you know if there's any truth? I mean, they 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 say that he actually probably saved the whale. Because yes, of, because, we, yeah, because yeah, because we kerosene. Up until then, people were actually burning whale oil, and when that yeah. demand, when the kerosene was cheaper. Uh, people switched from whale oil to kerosene and you know and didn't hunt whales as much i mean i don't know if that's true
1: but you I, said, that's that's yeah. spot on that is spot is on and that's that's precisely one of the benefits of his, his massive business plus the fact he was the one who due to his business he opened the door to henry ford's automobile industry mm-hmm. that was massive massive changing uh especially with how a, a country was letting uh, it's just incredible that he. And I think it's worth
2: mentioning that these guys did these things um, <coughs> not because they had a, basically a burning desire to, to light people's houses, or Henry Ford because he wanted to see people running about in cars, but they spotted an opportunity to to make money. You know, filthy liquor. You know, uh, and through doing that, you know, this it's, it's generally the people who set out to make profit who do more
0: good. Yes. people who set out to do good yeah a and yet yeah, yeah, that's the thing
1: because they say yeah.
0: when but, people set out to do good they start trying to manage and regulate other people and tell other people what to do but mm-hmm. you know it's innovators that do a lot of the good in the world i mean you've got um uh whoever invented the memory stick saved more trees than your, your average environmentalist and then you know now they've got these toilets that are uh, basically evaporate um, all your uh, waste and use it for energy and they're they're, they're quite a new invention but they're, they'll soon be really really helping over in the third world i mean those probably wouldn't have be, those probably would have been invented in the 70s or something like that if not for the government monopoly on municipal water so yeah. the, when the government says oh we can't let the free market uh, provide X, like municipal water, it actually mm-hmm. has massively stifled innovation in that industry So yes. only now, only now are people uh, inventing environmentally friendly toilets that don't mean that all your waste needs to get taken miles and miles away out of the city to a sewage mm-hmm. plant, but actually the the chemicals in it can be used as fertilizer um, and, and so forth. Um, but you know so so what about some of these other robber barons that we've heard of like andrew carnegie and so forth and there is an excellent book well i've not read the book but i've heard the author speaking on youtube bert Folsom, and he wrote a book called the myth of the robber barons for anyone who wants to to look that up either he's a great speaker but also, I hear his book's very good. Would you like to tell us some more of the other robber barons that we've been told were greedy monopolists?
1: Well, I, I couldn't tell you too much about Andrew Carnegie specifically, uh, right. but I know that there, there there's a lot of them out there where they do feed out a lot of these um, these myths and that in that time period, especially the robber barons and, and stuff like that. Uh, one of the the most famous ones. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of um it was a diamond company. It was the De Beers. The the De Beers Group. And that, that was a prime example. Um you, you take so it, the Oppenheimer then. Uh uh-huh. no, The Oppenheimer. And yeah. and the De Beers Group gained a near perfect monopoly, and yet it gained that simply due to well, government's nationalisation. And that was a prime example, because you go back to the whole thing on Standard Oil, a monopoly in that in that area didn't come about until the company was broken up by government, and government's you know interference has always been you know the the perpetrator behind uh, what's led to the monopolies. Uh, rather than the market itself and and that's that's one of the things that I can can definitely yeah I mean
0: we are we hear that we need these regulations to protect us from monopolies but if you actually understand what a regulation is it's hard to avoid the conclusion that by its very nature every regulation is going to make an industry more monopolized because every regulation says you can't operate within these parameters And the next one says within these parameters and then within these parameters. So every um, regulation, it's got, as you said, it's got a price of compliance. You need to be able to pay for lawyers and accountants and bureaucrats and lobbyists. But even so, if we say, okay, you're only allowed to produce shoes that aren't blue. Okay, that might be um, ridiculous, but whatever whatever it is, you're saying that Fewer people are allowed to industry now. So, so if we, so,
2: Mr. Samorost lost the
0: plot. I I seem to yeah yeah. I'm just saying that (laughs) you're basically. the more regulations are, there are, the more you regulate mum and dad businesses right out of the market. And that makes it difficult for new startups to enter into production in any sector. But I also want to attack the idea that the big business will always be dominant. Because if you see that big business, right, a little time curve, right? <coughs> and it mm. might produce products for a mass market, and it might be very good mm. at that. But if people's needs and things like that change, it's very difficult to turn around a big oil tanker. Whereas you can have on a free market, that might have a hundred small competitors, which chip away at its market here. Oh, we're the one that makes the blue shoes, let's say. They customize their products to niches rather than selling to a mass market, small businesses are flexible. They can get on their phone to their customers, they can get on the phone to their suppliers, and they mm-hmm. can meet individual needs in a way that's very hard for a big business to mm-hmm. do. So the, um, so the big business isn't always going to be king. And also, yeah, only if, a the, well, if the big business has its hands in many, many pies, then it becomes very bureaucratic and difficult for the people running the business to look at everything that's going on. So maybe if it's not doing, if it's serving its customers well, it will stay a big business. If it's not, all these tiny little competitors can chip away at it until it loses market share. What what
2: what they can do, surely, uh, just to give a counterpoint here is. Um Surely they can just buy out
0: all all these smaller companies
2: like Sony. I mean, there's lots of different music companies out there, but if you (laughs) look behind them, you find a lot of them belong to Sony. So it's it's all part of the same machine. Uh, This is the thing
1: where the whole whole argument is the fact they say, oh, they'll just buy out all the rest of the companies. The fact fact of the matter is it becomes more and more expensive for them to do so. And and, and And at least they they have to
2: use their own money to do
1: that. And in a fiercely competitive free market, I mean, competition is always coming through and, um, yes. and it's, it's it's very fierce. Yes. And the whole issue, and I want to go back to a, a wee point you were saying about the regulation because this is actually what creates uh, the monopolies for big businesses, is destroying innovation And something I spoke mm. about earlier was in relation to do... Co- to do with quantity and quality controls. People need to understand that when governments set down these regulations such as the quantity and quality controls is dictating and determining how much businesses can produce, what businesses can produce because you're you're limiting businesses to government strict rules over the type of produce that's going to be available in the market and that's what hinders innovation now in a free market as i was saying it's fiercely competitive uh it has a a strong innovation within the market so you're always going to have people coming through and competing against these big businesses and these they always (laughs) use that one that was saying about about uh well what if this company comes in and and just buys them all out and all the rest of it. it eventually it leads to their own demise and there's always going to composition goes through.
0: I'd like to add to that so first of all it's a bad to assume that a big company buying up a small company is actually a bad thing. Supposing mm. you have a yeah, small yeah. company here and there's a dominant product <laughs> on the market like say um, a, um, a small company comes out and buys and designs a better microphone than the one that we are using. Well, they don't. Surely really, not. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't necessarily have the distribution that a big company has. So if a big if their product really is better, and a big company comes in and buy them buys them out, that is absolutely great for the consumer because they will be able to distribute that product far and wide, much further than that smaller company could have. And the price of the product might actually even go down in the short term. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, if it's not in the public interest, well, the company needs to find the funds to buy up its competitors. And every time it does that, well, that's some amount of money that's not there to, to invest internally or to pay the shareholders or to pay their staff. So they're actually making themselves uncompetitive each time they buy up a competitor. If they need to go to the bank for a loan, they're gonna have to um, put interest in that loan. Mm -hmm. And the more strict the patent laws are, which are of course created by government, the more easily it's gonna be for these big companies to control the industry. In fact, you get these people called patent trolls who just, instead of creating anything productive, instead of creating anything useful, They just buy up patents, and then if anyone creates a product that's anything similar to their patent, they just sue the person. Now, that is not a product of the free market, but it Uh is very monopolistic, and it shows, again, that contrary to what the left believe, government does not regulate the excesses of capitalism. Government creates the excesses of capitalism.
1: An interesting point, because it goes back to Standard Oil on that, is the fact that You find that a company can buy out other, um, you know, competitors, right? And Standard Oil had went about set about and doing that, but they agreed to basically work with Standard Oil, and the reason why is because it relates to the fact that well, they knew he was far more competitive. Competitive, he was far more shall I say, he was far more competent is the keyword and and because they knew he was more competent, and their businesses were in demise in the 1870s, uh, they knew that working with someone who was as genius as himself, they would reap the benefits and the rewards, and they did. They, they reaped massive rewards through working for Standard Oil. Um, and it was massively successful until government stepped in but the point being is the fact that It's not always a negative thing to see as you're saying that businesses will step in because see here. Here's a prime example if you have incompetency uh, and and They're bought over by a bigger company that bigger company can take that company on can take the the assets and everything can take on yeah. Uh, whatever it is and basically make it competent you know what I mean and teach that whoever it was that failed in business can teach them uh, you know and um, better business practice for them to be you know better in business but I mean I think people's main fear out of all of that is the fact that well it could end up creating a monopoly but it's not the case you will find competition does uh, come through as a result of the lack of government regulation, and that's always been the, the case in in history. It's 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 always been down to the fact that governments interference is what creates the monopolies through government regulation, and and people seem to think that's the solution to the problem when it's actually the cause of the problem.
2: Well, I mean, another, I mean, a more up to date thing would be people would say, well. Well, look. Look at what happened in the Soviet Union. You, you had a big government that got broken up, uh, a, a big entity that got broken up, and the, the, the market pretty much had free reign uh, in, in the, the, the first stages of that. And it created the oligarchs, and through the oligarchs came these giant, you know, Russian monopolies. What's mm. what, what, what would you say to that one? Uh, <laughs>
1: exactly. I mean. That's, that's,
2: that's kind of where the, the left are coming from in that one.
1: <coughs> it's remarkable how the left can even come to such a, a conclusion when we know that the Soviet Union itself was <sighs> going from dictatorship yeah. right to, to, to complete totalitarianism. It was anything but um, anything remotely yes. close to anything free market. It was uh, even. Uh, w- even from the claim about because they call this state capitalism. And I don't know how many mm-hmm. times you've probably heard the name yourself. All state capitalism is is no, socialism that's in practice. It can't yes. get rid of the private sector a hundred percent. But yeah, that's basically it. So that's why
0: you have, Well that's the new one. You know, they have to defend socialism as an ideology. So whenever it fails, they just say, Well that wasn't real socialism. That the Soviet Union was state capitalism. Of course what they mean by that is socialism means whatever we like capitalism uh-huh. is whatever we don't like and we yes. didn't like that so it can't possibly be socialism mm. only what we like is socialism capitalism uh-huh. that's why they always confuse the influence of the state and the market in our society everything good that happens is obviously because of government everything that bad happens even if it's caused by government is capitalism yes. you know uh, not yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the environment isn't protected. Uh, okay, well, well that that's, that's a product of capitalism, even though you yourself say the government's responsible for enforcing uh, regulations of the, on the market, you know, on the environment. Right, look, there's yeah. wars, the government, the government <laughs> taxes people at gunpoint to pay for wars. Oh, it's capitalism that's causing the wars. How is it capitalism? Did Coca-Cola pay for the war? Did McDonald's pay for the war, right? If they they want, um, if the big boys, if the big businesses are the real problem, why doesn't Microsoft lobby Starbucks? Starbucks and Microsoft lobby the government because the government are the ones with the guns. The government are the ones that are able to give them privileges that create a monopoly structure or a monopoly like structure and what do you think about the fact that uh, Mm -hmm. uh, before you go on and uh, what do you think about the fact that people seem to have no similar skepticism about government monopolies you know they might say that the government should nationalize the the government should nationalize the railways i've heard Mm -hmm. people say that
1: i mean this is the the thing because i was actually just going to go on and speak about something very very similar um supposed to do with, with government. They seem to think, oh, well, it's okay for government to hold a monopoly. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like here's the problem with that, with with their view on this, right? They're always very quick to point the finger at the private sector and say, Here's a fault with the private sector. Prime example, BP that caused a massive oil spill. Right in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference is BP, as the private sector will, they paid for their damages. Right? They paid for their damages. Whereas when government owns a monopoly, such as the government ownership of you know the oil industry in Mexico, the government owned oil company in Mexico caused a massive spill in the Gulf of Mexico but government took no accountability for its actions and yet there it was didn't even but but we can vote them out though
2: at least we can vote governments out
1: but that's the thing because they're they're always it's always this case where okay what we'll do is we'll just we'll we'll vote them out and we'll bring in the new and and it's just it's a repeat cycle it's (laughs) (laughs)
0: Voting isn't nearly as much of a say as your choice of what you buy. I mean, Mm -hmm. see if I don't like um, Starbucks. I don't have to lobby. I don't have to get 51% of the electorate to agree with me. I don't have to write letters to officials. I just Uh go across the road to Costa or to the local place. Whereas with government, you, you you, have to lobby, you have to write letters, you need to mobilize public support. So when the government takes monopoly over any industry, that is the biggest, most dangerous thing that can happen. Because if you don't like what you're getting, you'll have zero say whatsoever. Here's you don't thing, have Anthony. alternatives.
1: Yeah. Here, here's the thing, Anthony, in relation to government and the monopoly, and, and one you just recently mentioned was about the... For example, the British NHS. Now, the the very and this is a massive, massive problem. Mm-hmm. People seem to just brush failure under the carpet like it doesn't exist because it's easy enough for them just to say, well, here's government. Government will be our provider. Uh and and, and that's been the case. Ever since nineteen forty eight, we've had this government ownership over healthcare, uh, and 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 yet, instead of actually accepting its poor quality, mm-hmm. instead of accepting the mass of big long waiting lines, all of these things get excused. On one hand, when it comes to you know. Not speaking about healthcare, they will complain and they'll they'll complain about certain things. But when it comes to someone attacking the NHS, they'll be quick to defend government's ownership of it because mm. they try. Well, like like I say, they try to link to American healthcare and say how that's capitalist when it's not. But the point being here is the fact that with regards to the NHS and government's monopoly over the healthcare system. What you have is a healthcare system faced with the economic calculation problem and regardless of how poor it becomes, how substandard it is, regardless of, of people's lives at risk on it, they will completely brush it under the carpet because to them, government's ownership over it, uh, socialism is more important than you know people's yes. lives at risk in that.
0: And on the face of it, they'll say, well, you know, we can't put money before people's lives and things like that. But if you look at um, data from the government, it shows a stay at, the, at an NHS hospital costs the government around £400 per day. Whereas a typical private healthcare stay, even in this country where we have a highly regulated private market, is around 275 pounds per night, which is a clear 125 pounds difference. That is people's lives. That money, yes, that saving and resources are the resources that we need to save lives. It's not just about money. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at the fact that um, there's a million people on yes, waiting lists. Those are lives, those are lives at stake. We do not have universal health care. And anytime anyone says we have universal health care, people need to say no, we have rationing. At the moment we have rationing.
1: Yeah, yeah things so have changed over time. I would even, say that- even if yeah. Yeah.
0: even if you want to keep the NHS, the only sane thing to do is completely deregulate the private sector in healthcare. Because then we won't have these big waiting lists, we won't have shortages of medical practitioners and all the innovations that are happening in the private sector will teach the the public sector how to operate better. I mean the the American healthcare system is far from perfect, it's a terrible system in many many ways but most of the best medical technology in the world comes out of America. So countries like Denmark who have free healthcare actually benefit from technology uh, invented in America, although I do fear that we stray off topic. Absolutely. All,
2: all I wanted to cover uh, just quickly there was you mentioned something uh, in your, your last monologue there, uh, Scotty, you mentioned the economic calculation problem. Um, just for anybody who's, who's listening and hasn't heard that terminology before, could you give us a quick explanation of the economic calculation problem?
1: Just a quick explanation of the economic calculation problem it's basically in relation to do with prices uh, nothing in economics is more important than the information of prices um, from the information of prices we get the information of profits and losses the two most important pieces of information that tells the market as prices are signals. The profits tell the the market, you know, what to produce more of, how much to produce, where to allocate scarce resources, what to invest more in. Losses tell the market what to stop producing, what to stop investing in, where to stop allocating scarce resources. And so basically what the economic calculation problem means is that because socialism distorts the information of profits and losses through... Artificially raising and lowering costs above or below market value, market yeah. value, of course, meaning consumers' demand. But basically, when government destroys that information of profits and losses, it no longer holds all of that information of profits and losses, and therefore it causes what we call the misallocation of scarce resources. And uh, yeah. this is this is what happens when government gains a monopoly. Yeah. Government's monopoly ends up. Um, distorting the information of prices and and one thing governments and socialism doesn't accept it does not accept higher prices in the market and every time it tries to artificially drive the cost down the underlying reality of scarcity doesn't go anywhere. It's all well artificially driving a cost down but that high price in the market was telling the market here is where, the, where there's a scarcity. Yeah and therefore trying to drive the cost down is really just going to cause an even bigger problem and that's the problem with government's monopoly in that area
0: because yeah. you're going to end up with a lack of provision where, where service providers actually can't give those services at the lowered price but what's yeah. more is that they don't realize that those high prices are actually an indication to producers to come Mm. into that industry to take advantage of high prices so Mm. if you succeed in knocking the price down you've just told a whole bunch of producers oh don't don't, don't produce this don't produce this do not cater to the existing demand for this because the price is too low and uh, yeah no individual can um can calculate that. You need that information of buyers and sellers to tell people what they need and not, not, don't need, which is why under socialism you always have massive shortages of some things and the complete wasteful overproduction of other okay. things.
1: And yeah. this is the thing because the whole, well, shortages are largely caused by government's price ceilings and things like that and of course the the price floors is what causes the surplus waste here's um, like mentioned earlier about the, the the rails the, the railway I mean take take for example if you look at uh, what's left um, within the the let's just say if you were to go from Glasgow to London for example or mm-hmm. anywhere you'll see that it's completely dominated by Virgin there's mm-hmm. there's a lack of competition and there's, there's, it's just, it's government itself that's always the cause of yeah. the problem. It's creating monopolies. um, And the economic calculation problem plays into absolutely everything. It's, it's you know, it plays into the rails, the, the railway. Yeah. You know, it plays into everything to do with the inefficiency of healthcare. It plays into everything. And, and, and another... Electricity, um, yeah. Yeah, and another company. thing I'd like to just quickly add is is that for example that you're saying about the high prices. What a high price can also say to the consumers. It can say to the consumers here's where they may be incentivized to stop spending. Why? Because there's a shortage and therefore it can incentivize them to buy an alternative. And that can right. be a very good thing in the right. market. Yeah. and it, 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 all this yeah. efficiency stems from the information of profits and losses through the market driven prices and if you destroy that information doesn't matter whether you want to talk about railway or healthcare mm. or anything involving government socialism just leads to complete inefficiency wasting and money. it's
0: very hard to actually draw borders around what's one industry and what's another industry i mean can you have a monopoly on rail or would it have to be a monopoly on transport, I mean on a free market, if supposing Virgin had a monopoly on rails right, the government decided to privatise mm-hmm. it and Virgin buy them all up, well what, they still can't put the prices up too high because on a free market anyone can just buy a bus or a, or a people carrier and just accept money from taking people to a to b if the prices are too high then people will just um do that more and more and more uh and you know that you've got planes and then someone might uh build an underground bullet train riverboat uh, riverboats what so and it's the same with you know once upon a time if you had all the telephone companies and you know bt had a virtual mo- or even monopoly on the provision of telephones I'm sure people Well they kind of still do because
2: you, you can't the lines right. themselves are owned by, by one company you know?
0: Right I see and that and that's of yeah. course the, the product of government and yeah. if you do go and research Burt Folsom's writings he talks about how all those things were done without monopolies for a short time and it was seemed to be working pretty well before the government said no 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 we need to take that over and have the only phone lines but now even if you had all the phone lines you can't say that you have a monopoly on communication technology Mm because we now have the internet we have skype and things like that so the whole point of the market is that many, many flowers bloom, and people will always be looking for ways to innovate and bring new products to um, get around service mm. provision, which will force companies and other lines of providing that service to improve.
1: Well, a great example of a uh, like in relation to your, what you're talking about is Hong Kong. Uh, all these oligopolies etc, all of these things that have been you know propping up in, in certain so-called monopolies, all of these actually stemmed as a result of government's land ownership and government leasing the property, uh, that that was primarily the reason why there was a lack of competition, you've got to remember the size of Hong Kong, it's a very tiny small spit of land and and yet it was like in relation to what you're talking about there, government's land ownership and, and leasing of the property is primarily the reason for why there was the lack of competition and what created the very t- style of monopolistic uh, it's, a, it's a tiny small harbour it's like the size of nothing but in, in relation to Hong Kong what you're speaking about there is something that again government is the cause of that um, and it's <clears throat> very, there was very few examples of where uh, you could look at um, where government has, you know, been out of the way, and the market has proven better off. A great example, and I like to look at um, in terms of transportation, was uh, the country Chile. Mm. Chile, you know, began. I, I don't know how true it was, but Chile apparently had uh began the privatization on things like water, uh even on transportation, and yet the costs of, uh, for example, the costs of uh, their transport was a lot cheaper, and even with regards to how, you know, well I don't know the full story behind the water and that, but apparently it was a lot more competitive, um, Again, that's something that maybe you could touch upon uh, in terms of about the the Chile, in terms of the, the private water. But I mean, <laughs> well, I, think, I mean,
2: what what gets me is that when when people talk about this kind of thing, and they say, "Well, look." If, if this is really what's going to happen, you know, in, in in the left's view, you know, you're just going to get a corporatist system and the, the, the corporations and the big companies are going to reign supreme, and these oligarchs are going to reign supreme.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why then are they not fine? I mean, where's... Right, I, I'm, I'm... For people who don't know, I'm leader of the Scottish Libertarian Party. Where's my check from Halliburton? Yeah. Right? Where is the money rolling in for Starbucks?
0: For free marketeers. For free
2: marketeers. Because you'd think they'd go, wow, Right? That's that's what we need. There we need guys that are going to deregulate everything, plough money. Stop giving money to the Conservative Party. Stop giving mm-hmm. money to the Labour Party. Plough all our money into the Scottish Libertarian Party because they're going to deregulate. That does not happen. The people go, well, well, you're not big enough. You know, if you were big enough, they would do that. Well, I uh-huh. tell you what, Nick is big enough. Then, if that's really what
0: they think, and they own the media. Do you yeah, know I mean, you hear all yeah. these. Oh, government monopoly on this. Governments, uh, you know, sorry, rather not government. This corporation's bad. That corporation's bad. This one's dodging their taxes. That one's dodging their taxes. All the time on the media. You'd think that the media would be plowing out. Free markets, deregulate. You'd think yeah. that there would be documentaries on the BBC about We're the stealing social...
2: the virtues of the free market and right. about
0: the socialist calculation problem for dummies. You know, you'd think that Ludwig von Mises would be being taught at university to even economic students, which he rarely ever is. Everyone has heard of Karl Marx in university, but no yeah. one's heard of Karl Menger. And for those of you who haven't heard of Carl Menger, you'll just have to look him up. <laughs> um, have you got anything to add, really either of you, before we wrap up the show today?
2: No, I think that was that shot my bolt there with that my, my final gambit there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <thank you. laughs> Please don't shoot your bolt live <laughs> on the air. Yeah don't yeah. make
1: viewing figures up. I doubt I think it very in, much right, enough, but, yeah. I think at the end of the day you're you're absolutely spot on. I mean this whole um, monopoly over the the media and everything uh, Again, it's, government. It's, yeah and and it's yeah. why people have lost faith in, in the whole thing especially the BBC I mean this is why the BBC needs to be privatized because yeah. it needs to be you know put it this way for the content that it provides it really should be providing for what people are going to watch what people yeah. want to watch right and the very issue with, with regards to government ownership over th- things like the media and, and you look at the BBC is the fact that it starts to go on the path of its own and, it, and let's just let's be brutally honest here the BBC has been abusive to even people on the left, it's been mm-hmm. abusive, uh, abusive to people in general in and, and, and the country um, it's it's very. It
0: helps sell the wars. Exactly, yeah. I mean,
1: it's very it's very it propagates everything in in favour of the establishment. A prime example was its, you know, support of the European Union. But that's because the European Union that's where they get a large bit of their funding. So this mm-hmm. is why you need to take that, that monopoly. You need to take it out of the hands of government privatize it, make it competitive, make it work for its money. And 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 the only way it's going to work for its money is by providing a service to what people are are, are going to voluntarily pay for, not yeah. through this government monopolistic system.
2: Well I mean the, the thing is with, just quickly with the BBC as well, I mean people <coughs> certainly probably in my generation you've know, got this kind of avuncular View of the, the anti beeb and it's, kind of, it's, it's all very cosy, and they don't realise that the, the, the corporation has actually changed over time. And most of the, the most of the stuff that the BBC puts out now is actually done by outside production uh, companies. Anyway, it's mm-hmm. not you know, so there's not you can't open a door and there's a room full of people all writing comedy, and there's another room. But well, was it one Queen Margaret Drive oh. was terrible for it, but. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's actually outside production companies working on a private uh, level who then make a, a fully integrated, uh, complete product and then take it to the BBC and sell it to them. So it's not mm-hmm. as if you know the BBC are actually producing this stuff itself. It's outside production companies. Uh-huh. So it, it's it's all they have really is a monopoly on force to collect uh-huh. to collect, to collect s- your license fee off you and the force you to pay for your product whether you watch their product. Or not you know and <coughs> they're talking uh,
0: That's just, a real as, just,
2: just as a, a word of warning as well they were talking about abolishing the tv license but then what they were talking of bringing in was a german or swedish style media tax they don't call it a tax they'll call it something a media contribution or something like that. but it's basically going to be a tax so whether you've even got a television or not you'll be liable to pay that media tax and what they'll say to you is well if you don't watch it that's that's entirely that's your fault. You know you should be availing yourself of it because you pay for it. So uh, that, that's going to be even worse, and that's that's what they're talking about doing. So and then that's that's a monopoly. That's a government monopoly. Yes.
0: So don't forget, there's only one organisation that has the monopoly on use on the use of force, and yeah. that is the government. So once you grant people that power, and they'll say, well the BBC produces a better standard of shows and I used to kind of be for the BBC a little bit more. I found it quite hard to be for privatizing it because I'm intellectual and I thought they were more intelligent Public service broadcasting. But you know, why is everyone so dumb? It's because the government has a monopoly on the education system and they put you through 11 to 13 years of education where you come out the other end, can't even get a job that will pay you 10 pounds an hour.
1: Scotland so if you look an example of that because if you, yeah.
0: look, you, yeah, you look at the agent look at the industries in society at the moment instead of having this theory in your head that free markets look create monopolies look at the look at the areas of society where the government interferes the least I bet you you will find the least amount of monopolization and the areas of society where government intervenes the most you will find the most Monopolization.
2: So you're the way you say
1: there, uh, Scotty, about Scotland. I completely agree. I mean, the uh, the whole thing with regards to Scotland, it's like it's a perfect example of the, the state education, and uh, it's it's unfortunate as, as it's it's turned a very what used to be a, And I remember watching the documentary and and the old woman saying that long gone are the days of, of Scotland where people used to stand on their own two feet and everything and and it's you would blame the state educational system that's created a very dependent class of people Absolutely. where yeah. everything is just handouts free this and I recently posted and shared something in the BBC uh, something Scottish called the social and a, a great example of this is the fact that she's this lassie is is wanting to force taxpayers to pay for the sanitary towels and all the rest of this so that they get it so-called free now it's forcing people who (laughs) who are never personally ever going to need it and, and and pay for these things pay for other but the point being is the fact that the state educational system has more or less, and I, I hate to see it, but it's the truth. But it's it's dumbed society down, and created this leftist dependent class, uh, where governments this this the server and provider, and you've seen a, a change from what used to be the Scotland of uh, the nineteenth century, where the country would be able to stand on its own two feet, be creative, be innovative. Um, and, and now it's, it's become a, a country where un, unfortunate as it is, uh, too many people have gotten into the mindset where government should be the provider of this and a provider of that and whether it's state pensions or state health care or state roads.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> luckily, we are the fight back and we're also giving free education as a Counterbalance to the government monopoly on education. So, thank you so much for coming on our show a second yep. time. Thanks to Chip Murray
2: for joining us. Oh, sorry, uh, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and um, thanks for uh, availing us of your, you know, knowledge of history and economics. And perhaps see you again in the new year. Yeah, yeah, have the, a good
1: new year. Uh, same to yourselves. Thank you. Good
0: new year to all you out there, and throughout the bells and into 2017. Be libertarians. Don't be a lefty or a righty.